0: All right, uh, back. Special, uh, special casino hotel edition with my great friend Alex over here. This is your second
1: residence, right? Second residence. Wait, I mean, is you, know, where you I have like five Gainesville residents, but yes. this is your outside yes. of Gainesville residence. Yeah,
0: yeah. So this is where the money that I make turns into more money, uh, technically, regardless of what you may hear. Alex uh, doesn't gamble. Lauren, I've been sure of it. So, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, just on businesses, and that's what we're going to talk about from uh, being poor to not so poor. That's uh, not what we've talked about so far in the previous episodes, minus real estate, but that's kind of the premise of this is uh, kind of people like Alex basically come from a nothing situation, and I mean nothing situation, and making it themselves the hard way. Uh, so we'll start meeting a lot of people who have had journeys like this, how they got out of it, um some uh, a lot of downs and uh hopefully a lot of ups and they probably won't be on this podcast if so there's not a lot of ups. <laughs> nobody to saying, wants to right? hear it <laughs> yeah nobody wants to hear all it. straight downers and <laughs> shit. yeah yeah so yeah we'll have some depression episodes maybe and really get those uh really get those going well, well
1: i heard clips from your fucking first episode you got deep with shit so yeah. is, does this podcast have a name uh, it's called all on black podcast all on black okay. all on black podcast that's when you put the the things and you're like i'm just going all in
0: yeah yeah right. so that's going all in also i've done that in life an in trio song oh yes there you go yep uh so we've got a couple different meanings and yeah just basically putting all your shoving all of your chips and got a lot of meanings. i'm uh, i'm okay with names you know american you, barbell do you do club tra-
1: you do a trademark search first
0: uh, I just looked it up. I, there honestly might've been another one and it was like a, you know what it is. If it's a yeah. small one, I'm sorry for you. Fuck but off. Yeah. yeah it's it's not going to matter. pay you off. Yeah. You yeah not not going to matter. Here. Won't pay you off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we'll go with, uh, with Alex's origin story and, uh, his villain arc is what we're going to talk about basically.
1: Dude, you know, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> I was showing my, my wife, the house that I grew up in, in Pensacola and it last sold after my mom's ex-husband it was my stepdad, piece of shit, motherfucker. Sold it after we had moved Then never paid my mom the rest of what it was worth. But it sold in 2012 last. We left Pensacola in 2007. Sold for fucking $105,000. My cars are worth more than that. Nice. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy the origin and how things can change uh, and flip. But man, like where the fuck do I even begin? You know what? something else that's crazy that I thought about talking on here. It's like my dad wasn't in my life at all, right? My mom got remarried when I was like four or five. But what's crazy is like what things like run deep in us that are like just inherited genetically that aren't necessarily taught. Like my dad had to flee the country when I was like four, right? He was doing... Bunch of shit that had the FBI coming after him. My mm-hmm. uh, my aunt, she got arrested and he left before they could get him. And he didn't come back for 15 years. He mm-hmm. left to Venezuela where he was from. But when I re- when I saw my dad again when I was like 14 or whatever, when I went over there. And when I've seen him over the years, it's crazy how much can be inherited. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because so many of the things, even though he wasn't there to like give me anything in my life, was never present. So many of like how I function, so much of my business side of things inherently just were from him. Yeah, you know, like he was always a hustler and always figuring his way out, and it wasn't always the best way, and sometimes it got him it got him into trouble. And even now, him living in Venezuela, one of the worst countries, you know, to make it in, it's like he's making it. Yeah, you know, but yeah, I mean, I guess that was kind of a segue to the beginning. Of origins you know so he my mom dad they were they were there he we were we went from I guess I was born into a decent situation you know my dad was doing whatever he was doing for money while also being a car salesman and whatever it was and then uh, fast forward to four years into my life he just disappeared left the country went to Venezuela and my mom's on her own and uh, we're living in Miami and she meets a new guy And within six months, she got remarried. And we moved to Pensacola. Nice,
0: beautiful place.
1: In its ways, it actually is. That's some fucking really nice beaches and shit like that, but (laughs) it's very fucking white trash, too, you know? I'm I'm Hispanic, like I said. My dad fucking, you know, went off to Venezuela. That's where my mom's from, my dad's from. Uh, I didn't even know what Hispanic was till I moved back to Miami because there's none of that in Pensacola. Yeah. You know, wondering
0: why you got a nice brown tan all the time. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like, oh, okay. But that makes sense now when I went to Venezuela for the first time when I was 14 or whatever. But yeah, we moved to Pensacola and that's where just fucking, you know, that period of life was, was intense, you know, remarried, to a crazy motherfucker, uh, you know, Everything that the sad story could be was there, yeah. you know, abusive to me, abusive to my mom, eating food, eating off of food stamps, fucking, you know, all that shit. But it was kind of like all I knew, you know, it's like, you don't, you don't know anything else going into that when you're four or five. And there are things, there was good things about my childhood too. And I think that's something that I've learned in life is like through all the negative, you got to look Look at the good shit too. Of course. You know, you gotta look at the positive. And uh, like, even I was just listening to Theo Vaughn's podcast with Sean Strickland. I don't know if you've heard yeah, it yet. I haven't heard it. He went, that that guy's unhinged. But he had, both he, of them. He, he, Theo Theo's unhinged in a good way. Yeah. But Sean, like, he went. Yeah, he had a really fucked up childhood, really fucked up, and he went really deep. And he, poor guys remain unhinged you know, yeah. and he's made a career out of himself beating the shit out of people, but just has so much anger and so much hatred. And I think something that's important to like break out of that, if you're not someone like that that can still make it in that way, but make it in such an unhappy way, is you look at, you know, both ends of it. Yeah. So there was positives in my upbringing too, like growing up in a in a small town and having neighborhood friends and being able to go out and whatever the fuck it was, but there was a lot of fucking shit and it's crazy because even from like the youngest age I could remember, besides, you know, poverty and not having anything, my whole upbringing was a lot of it was rooted on fear because my family was like super religious, you know. So everything I, I everything I did, you no, know, you're going to go to fucking hell. You're going to, you know, this, that, and the other. And I was just always so terrified about making any wrong decision. And I knew in, in my life, I didn't want my life to be how, for my children or whatever it was, how it was for me there. But it made me do a lot of things out of fear. And that's also something that's carried over to, like, you know, success, too. You make strategic decisions yep. and how you navigate things. Out of fear. Out of know. fear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Running a ghost out of fear. <laughs> yeah, right? But out of fear of, you know, they, before it was I'm going to die and go to fucking hell, or it's out of fear of everything could be taken away and they'd go back to that position of poverty yeah. at any fucking moment. You know, um, so, you know, pros and cons and from the earliest age that I could remember, I always had like the knack to like turn something, turn nothing into something, you know, like in the neighborhood, whether it was like, I got a fucking pack of shitty Pokemon cards, I'd make like I get a 100 cards out of the two cards that I had that were worth nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And again, those are some of the things that I think are super in- inherent And I know, like, this is hearing people's stories, but also the story of success and building the success. I think a lot of that is, like, either you have it or you don't, Yeah. you know? Well, I
0: think a lot of that probably comes from necessity, right? Yeah. I was talking about this uh, with my friend Austin here uh, yesterday, where it's just like, some people will be doing business, and they can just let it go, because they got something else. They got their parents they can call, uncles they can call, maybe something secure that they can call, or just go live with their parents or something, you know, where it's like, when you come out of necessity, you don't have the option. And that's, that's the same thing with me. There is no option. There's nobody to call. No one's going to help you out. And uh, even at a young age, come, growing up the same way, uh, government food, the whole thing, it was just necessity. And you did what you had to do. Otherwise, it was just like, uh, you know, all right, well, we're not having sugar in our Kool-Aid tonight. You yeah. know what I mean? So you know, that's it's understandable. Great. In, in
1: Pensacola, you know, we got hit by... Ton of hurricanes in the early 2000s, right? Like even side winds, Katrina, Hurricane Ivan, like catastrophic damage. Like we didn't have power for like fucking four weeks after that and uh we got like i'm sure you know about the mres yeah, right yeah. we got they just gave tons and tons and tons of mres and even like after that even after we had you know power and everything we had months worth of mres that's like what we lived off <laughs> for a super fucking long time you know but but yeah like you said doing things out of necessity but little by little that was kind of the hole that you know we started in, in that in pensacola And then we got out of it. I moved. My mom left that guy. We moved down to Miami. And a lot of like what I've learned is from observation too. And it's, you know, as a kid, like whether you want to or not, like you see things and you learn it. Whether you're going to replicate it or do everything that you can to not replicate it. You know? So like my mom, she got divorced. And like I said, that house that was worth, you know, $100,000 or whatever, she was entitled to half of that. Um... He didn't, their ex husband didn't have that money. He didn't have the $50,000, which was the total of the divorce settlement or whatever. Mm. Um, so he gave her like 20 grand and still owed her the rest of it, which he never fucking paid to this day. When I was an adult, I was like, let me go get the rest of that money for you, mom. You know, she wouldn't let me. And we moved to Miami, and my mom thinks, you know, we're rich with 20 or $25,000, and we moved to Brickle. You know, literally, we moved from a really shitty house into Brickle because my mom was always a big dreamer and thought that things were going to work out for us. And we lived in Brickle for like, you know, six or seven months. My mom couldn't like, get a job and made any money. We lived off of all that money, burned through all that money and immediately were completely fucking poor and then moved into moved to Coconut Grove, which I ended up living in the Grove in some Regard For most of my life into this tiny place that was like seven hundred dollars a month kind of bordering the hood that it was just a one bedroom Mm -hmm. and a living room and it was me my sister my mom and I lived in what was actually like the storage closet that was my room (laughs) and that was like that was the second part of my childhood going from the house in Pensacola to this house that I actually lived in like a closet Uh, from when I was like 14 until I was like 18 and, uh, and that's where the business side of me started blooming. That's where I became a, uh, successful drug dealer in the neighborhood of Coconut Grove at the age of 15, 16 years old, working at a supermarket. And that's where like my years of drug abuse and alcohol abuse and everything were festered in the perfect hippie town or hippie uh, area of Coconut Grove.
0: When uh, so when did when did you start drinking? When when did you start doing drugs? What was like and why? You know, was it just around or your friends or like oh, I'm just gonna do this?
1: So I didn't know anything about it. Even though like in Pensacola, I went to one of the worst middle schools for sixth and seventh grade. In the middle of the projects, like terrible terrible school. I wasn't exposed to any of that. Don't ask me why. I guess it just wasn't as prevalent in a middle school regard up there. My sister, who's five years older than me, obviously going through all this same shit, but probably in a a much worse regard because she was older and had more awareness of everything that was going on as opposed to someone, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And my sister that also runs addiction in general runs deep in my family, deep in my family mom, dad, grand grandparents, So my sister, she's you know 5 years older, so by the time she's like 14, 15 in Pensacola gets in with all the wrong people. She was never home, disappeared, shows back up, blah 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 blah. I didn't that part of it like, you know, didn't process to me as a younger kid. Yeah. And then we moved down to Miami, and I when we moved to Miami, again my mom us being rich Put me into a private school, um, and within like four months in the private school, I got expelled. Typical. I went I came from a school in the projects, acting out, getting into fights every fucking day, and it was okay to I got into three fights in like three or four months at this mm-hmm. private school, and they're like, this child is from <laughs> hell, you know. They tried blessing me with holy water, like this is not working out. You gotta go. Yeah. Started public school in Miami, and within like. A week I'm exposed to everything yeah you know and everyone is doing all that shit so that was and then knowing my sister you know my sister at this point you know is 18 smokes cigarettes always drinking this that and the other it was just around so like I started smoking cigarettes when I was like 13 I'd like get my sister's buds out of the ashtray and smoke her buds and stuff like that and that was just all the kids and you know that I in that school that I went into in eighth grade doing drugs and it started just you know smoking drinking whatever it was and then uh ninth grade rolls around i go to enroll in the high school a terrible high school miami high in miami and i was high all the time within a week i convinced my mom to let me instead do virtual school florida virtual school (laughs) so i enroll in florida virtual school i'm just in the grove getting high every fucking day like chilling i'd like log in the computer here and there At the time, none of it was regulated well, so I'd just like Google and I'd be able to find some of the test courses and just like put in the answers. 10th grade, we moved to to then the Grove. And I'm like, oh, all my friends from before went to this school, I'm gonna try this school. Two weeks into it, I try going to the school, fucking hate it, I'm high every day, can't wake up early. Pull myself out and roll back in virtual school. Fuck off the entire year, you know, I'm just, getting high all the time, doing my thing, going to hardcore shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday, living my life at Churchill's, mm-hmm. you know, living my best life in that regard. And uh, e- even through all this period, which is, and then fast forward 11th grade, I try school again. Two weeks into the school year, oh, I enroll, and they're like, you're all, you know, you have one, you have two credits. We're putting you in ninth grade classes. That was 11th grade. Two, two weeks into the school year, a stabbing happens at the school, they shut us down. We can't use our phones. My mom picks me up. I'm like, can I finally? She thought it was me because I was always in trouble and stuff. She I thought you died. I'm like, no, I'm okay. I was like, can I, pull, can I drop out now? She lets me drop out. And But through all that time, you know, we're living again, like I said, in, in this, this closet of a place. My mom is working like, you know, practically a minimum wage job, whatever it is, jobs wherever she can, odd end jobs. My sister is off home, not home, off home. Heavily addicted to drugs and alcohol, also. And, uh, but through all that, I'm, even though I didn't have my shit together, I had my shit together in the sense where it's like, I gotta get money, I gotta make money, I gotta provide, you know? So I was the one helping pay a ton of our bills from the time I was, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. My mom knew what I was doing, but she kind of, you know, wanted to be ignorant to the fact. They were so strict on my sister with everything that she did in Pensacola and then moving to Miami and she just kept rebelling. My mom just like didn't want to try that again. I, I pretty much could do whatever I wanted. My my place was the place where everyone came, got high, got drunk. They came to buy shit. You know, it was a secluded little street. I'm, I'm dealing from there. But it's like I'm making money by any and all fucking means, you know. And um, but it's funny because with that, with that money, I was always finding ways to make other money. I'd, I'd be buying, you know, $4,000 Gibson Les Pauls for like a steal and flipping them and making, you know, 500 making a grand off of it. I collected like German imported bongs and like I'd buy them and then like resell them because they were imported for more money and all this shit. So, yeah, th- to answer your question, the drugs and alcohol, they started super early on yeah. and festered for a really long time. And even though it was in a, in a, in a really negative place and in, in, a, in, in a lot of negative ways, the business side of things and the success was always brewing there because I had that poverty from so early on. And then, you know, as soon as I'm a teenager, I'm like, whatever I need to do to get money, I'm going to get it, you know? And it's, that's how I help my family to even do anything, yeah. you know? and. To this day, even after I got out of all that, you know, it's like I've stood by that helping my family, my mom, my everything. But yeah. So
0: high school, did you end up graduating? GED,
1: man? So dropped out in that 11th grade. Funny side story. When I went to actually withdraw out of school, fucking my mom was driving me to work. I worked at a grocery store, Milam's. I had my box of cigarettes in my pocket, whatever, whatever, however old you are in 11th grade, 17 or whatever yeah. the fuck, because um, I was going to go to work after. My cigarettes in my pocket. Mom drives me up to school. I go to get out. I go to pull my cigarettes out and put them under the seat. And I'm like, oh, no, I'll leave them in my pocket. I was fucking hungover from being on mad bars the night before. Like Xanax was one of my drugs of choice. Always high on Xanax, always depressed and shit like that um and go to school go try to get withdrawn they're telling me i have books i make a huge fucking scene and remember this is a week or two after a stabbing it just happened in the fucking school and the kid fucking died yeah so there's cops everywhere and um cop comes up to me, he's like oh what are you doing i'm like I'm, I'm trying to fucking withdraw I'm, he's like you're making a scene you need to get out of here i'm like oh fuck you and he's like no you need to leave right now and i'm like yeah all right whatever He's like, go that way. I'm like, nah, no, I'm going fucking that way. And he grabs me, like, get your fucking hand off me. Throws me against the wall, starts patting me down. I'm like, oh, fuck. Inside my cigarette box, I had pills, weed, a one-hitter, like, all that shit. Because I was going to work, bro. That's what yeah. I do when I was at work at the grocery store. And, uh, and, yeah, so I got arrested. They put me in the fucking drug rehabilitation program. Obviously, that shit didn't rehabilitate anything. I had a fake fucking penis and pissed in a fake (laughs) cup. But, no, didn't finish school from there. I stayed down that path until I was 19. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of just back and forth, trying to get sober, trying to figure shit out. It was, you know, it had gotten bad at that point. Like I was heavily involved in the music scene, heavily involved in the hardcore scene, you know, at all the hardcore, the punk shows, the cross punk shows, like all those scenes really like infused together in Miami. Yeah. Um, and like, they got along, but they didn't also. And uh, I'll never remember, I was playing in this band Knock em Dead at the time, and Hamlet, I don't know if you know Hamlet yeah. or not. Hamlet was sober. And, you know, I was always fucked up. Me and his brother were always getting high. And uh, he was like, yo, dude, like, somebody's got to give me. like, well, what are you talking about? I think he told me, like, when I was sober or high-ish. Or he's like, bro, he's like, a lot of people don't like you. I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't give a fuck. Fuck them. He's like, no, like, bro, some people want to do something to you. And I'm like, oh. He's like, yeah, dude, you've been fucking with some of the wrong fucking people when you get fucked up at shows and this, that, and the other. And that was like a really huge reality check for me, you know, because I always had that I don't give a fuck kind of attitude and the, yeah, sure, come at me. But I mean, look, we know how the hardcore scene is and some of the people that are in there, you never know what could actually happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and can you or can you not actually defend yourself? And that was like a really big, like scary moment to me because I'd get blackout, and I'd be a fucking idiot and I'd get in fights and I'd do whatever. And, uh, and I'm like, man, like all it takes is one wrong decision. It's like, I'm not a teenager anymore. You know, I'm, I'm an adult, you know, I'm always walking around with all this shit on me. They can get me arrested, locked up, get me fucking killed, get me, you know, who fucking knows what. So that was like a coming to Jesus kind of moment. And it flipped back and forth for a couple months there where I would, Stop drinking, but then I'd still be smoking, or, you know, I'd, I'd stop smoking, but I'd still be taking Xanax, and it was kind of like a vicious circle of things, until February of fucking 2012, so 12 years ago, next month, I was at a show at the Talent Farm, and I talked to, I've talked like this whole story before, Danny Soul, who yeah. you know, and I knew that he had owned a gym. And I had been trying to go to the gym, and you know, in uh, near my house, on and off, whenever I didn't wake up and I wasn't fucked up. And I was trying to get in shape, and I knew he owned a CrossFit gym, and I knew he was the next addict. And I went up to him and I talked to him, and I was fucking obliterated because I had not gotten, I had not gotten, I'd only gotten high for like months leading up to that. I was doing really good. I hadn't drank, hadn't taken any pills, and then that night. I see a bunch of my boys that I hadn't seen in a while and they had a bunch of fucking Xanax and we were fucking snorting Xanax and drinking and I was obliterated and I tried talking to him while I was obliterated, don't even remember what I said, don't remember the conversation and the next day he hits me up, he adds me on on Facebook, become Facebook friends, he invites me to go down to his gym and sober since then. And that's where the fitness journey begins. So 12, 12 years of straight edge, man. Twelve years of straight edge. Next <coughs> month, brother.
0: Yep. And then uh, with every year of straight edge, the bank account also becomes more straight edge and fatter. Oh fuck yeah. Yep.
1: Fuck yeah. So
0: and then uh, so from there you started you started working there. At what point? At Seoul. So
1: like right away, I sign up, commit. I'm there all the time. And dude, I was a fucking nineteen year old kid who worked at i was still at the grocery store yeah i was still at the fucking grocery store at that time and it's like i didn't know what the fuck i was gonna do what the fuck was next you know Mm -hmm. i had gone from making minimum wage eight dollars an hour at that grocery store but i was bringing in a lot more money than that doing other things and i knew right when i got sober well i'm not gonna keep doing this i'm not gonna keep dealing because then i'm around it you know what i mean I, I can't be around this that period of getting sober those first you know three months were fucking hell i didn't go to any shows because i was scared to be around it at shows and it was like really it was relearning how to live but obviously it's like you know sober i'm not gonna keep dealing so that's a huge fucking reality check because i went from being you know 16 year old kid that had more money than anyone you know from from complete poverty to having you know money because of what I was doing to like okay well I can't keep making money like this so it was a big like what the fuck so literally the first thing in sobriety that I find is a gym and I'm like I want to do this with my life this is what I want to do and like everything that I had done up until this point anything that I do I do it fucking all in I do it fucking big you know and I, I I go I go head head to the wall, so I knew instantly within those first couple months. And I told him I was like I, I want to do this. I was a fucking nineteen year old punk ass kid, you know. He's like he's like all right, well you know we'll talk, we'll see, we'll see. Everyone else at the gym is like yeah yeah sure yeah right. Everyone wanted to do that. It's, it's, CrossFit was all the phase, yeah. at the, you know all the fat at that time. It was fucking easy easier barrier to entry. What you get a level one CrossFit certification and. Sick, you know, but his gym was held to a higher standard. It wasn't like all those other gyms, but you know, he saw something in me and shit. And uh, it's funny because after being at the gym for like three months, I get past that really difficult period three or four months. I couldn't afford it anymore. I couldn't keep paying $150 a month for a CrossFit membership when my income is only from the fucking grocery store at this right. point. And I'm still helping my mom pay the bills. I'm still, you know, all that. And, um, so I tell him, I was like, yo, man, like, I can't afford it. Like, you know, st- I still want to see you sometimes. And so I start going to the gym by my crib, you know, 24 hour fitness in the Grove, 20 bucks a month. I'm still committed to it. And like two or three months later, he rolls up to the grocery store. I'm working the fucking seafood department. He orders some fucking fish. He's like, yo, he's like so when are you going to start uh, interning at the gym? And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you, you, you want to intern, you want to learn, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, come tomorrow. You start tomorrow fucking that was it i showed up the next day the way that i'd get there every day I didn't, I didn't i didn't have my fucking driver's license till i was like 20 or 21 you know thank god that i fucking <laughs> didn't because who knows what the fuck would have happened you know back in the day no uber and shit i would take public transportation everywhere to get to all the fucking shows you know metro buses this that and the other and to, to get to work every day to get to the gym take the metro mover then a bus take a a bike, all that shit, and I bust ass to get there every single day between working at the grocery store and being there, and um, I didn't let up, it was funny, because when I started, he told me, he's like, hey, you know, you being here doesn't mean you're going to have a job, you know, like, there's absolutely no guarantee of a job, this is just you, like, soaking in and learning, an apprenticeship, learn the knowledge, who knows what could happen after, you know, and... After that point and before that point, there had been tons of people who interned at that gym who wanted to come, learn the knowledge. They're there for a couple months, they don't get a job, they leave. I was there for an entire year before I even started working there. But right off the bat, I still I still keep my job, you know, I'm still working, making the fucking shit minimum wage. Fuck you, mylums, you didn't take care of your people. But um I'm like, I got to figure out ways to make money. So he let me, I was on commission base before I became a coach or anything like that. Signing up members, when someone would sign up, they'd come in, I'd get them signed up, I'd get 10% for the life of their membership. 150 bucks membership, 15 bucks a month.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Bro, I was stacking those up, stacking those up, selling membership. No one in that gym was selling memberships like that. No one. And, uh, found different ways to get other little kickbacks on commission and, and so I was a fucking sales guy essentially before I was even a coach or person in that field. And so many people thought I wasn't going to end up being able to do it. Cause again, I was a 19 year old kid, no kinesiology background, none of that shit. You know, I just fucking knew how to put a fucking joint in my mouth or a blunt in my mouth. That's it. Um, And I just stuck at it till a year later, you know, he gave me the shot. He gave me the shot and I started fucking working there. That was 2013.
0: 2013. What was was your first role? I guess, what were you doing then?
1: So, started the sales before they even gave me any classes because all the coaches were like, what the fuck is this? Like, this guy doesn't know shit. Like, why is he going to coach our classes? I was allowed to do personal training, okay. it, and again, if I sold someone on personal training, so yeah. it was all on me. It was like they're not giving me anyone; like nothing is handed to me. It's up to me to find those people. And it's funny because I created I created a whole market in that gym that was never there before. People, when they came to CrossFit gyms, they came to CrossFit gyms for CrossFit to sign up for a group class. Okay, I I think I if personal training was offered, I don't even know if it was offered at all. Maybe there was like, you know, one or two coaches had one or two clients. I created a market in that, in the sense, in the sales side of things, when I'm showing these people to the, around the gym, explaining them what CrossFit is, putting them through, we would give them free like 15 minute one-on-one workouts to show them what CrossFit is like. Um, I used my negotiation and my sales to convince people, no, like, Sure, you could do that crossfit $150 a month, but you know, you're gonna be looped in with 10, 12 people, or you could just work with me. So I started stacking tons of personal training clients, tons, tons, tons of personal training clients. And then at that same time, little by little, I start getting handed some boot camp classes. Not even in the gym, outside of the gym. We went and taught them at a park. Getting paid 10 bucks a pop. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a nobody, I'm a you know, I'm a newbie but in a day that was more than the fucking $8 getting paid at the grocery store. I was yep. fucking stoked on it. But with those people that I was converting to personal training, I'm like, you know, I'm a numbers guy. I'm like, oh shit, you know, I'm getting 60% of this 60 bucks, you know? I, fuck, I'm getting paid, you know, 40 bucks each time I see this person. 35 bucks each time I see this person. This is fucking sick. So, over those next couple of years, I built that like a motherfucker because Right away, I started realizing in an industry like that, and I knew that from the grocery store too. I was always in the grocery store, how many hours can I work? Can I get there early? Can I stay a little bit longer? You know, when you're doing things on an hourly basis, you only have so many hours in a day, of course. so you can only get so many dollar figures for each of those hours. So teaching a class for 10 to 12 bucks isn't as advantageous as selling, working with someone individually. So right away, I'm like pushing myself in all those avenues, like breaking the norm of what's in that gym and what everyone knew and making a lot of people fucking pissed off in those first couple of years that I was there at that gym, you know? Like, I climbed to the point where I was making more money than anyone there. Danny would even, like, make jokes, jokes, but, like, kind of, like, you know, salty to an extent, like, damn, you made more than me this month. You know what I mean? Like, when I was... 21, so my first two years there, I was making like 50K a year. Which for a fucking high school dropout, it came from nothing, clearing, you know, a little over four grand a month, that was fucking huge for me, Yeah. you know? Because even the money, that the good money I say that I was making when I was selling drugs, I wasn't some fucking kingpin, you know what I mean? Like I was slanging shit to the people around the neighborhood, four grand a month, I was fucking ecstatic, you know? But that internal side of me was always like, I need more, I need something more, I need more, I need to grow, I need more, and that's around the time where you met me, right? Yeah. I think we met in like 2015 ish. Probably about, uh, yeah, probably about ten years ago, something yeah. like that. Yeah, because I, yeah, I left Seoul, twenty seven, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. Yeah, I think we met twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like. uh I think we first were Instagram friends. I knew about American Barbell Club and then we formally met at like one of the USPA meets, like the Thanksgiving Throwdown yeah. or some shit like that. When you had your long luscious yeah. hair. RIP USPA Florida. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> but yeah, man. So that that that's the first half of the era of kind of being like a clock puncher, because even through that era of, you know, not working at a grocery store anymore, but that first era of finding my career and finding my kind of future, I still felt like I was a clock puncher, because I was getting paid by the hour, although I was still trying to maximize those sales. I convinced, early on, I was like, you know, I need to learn as much as I can in the gym industry, so they were paying me for office hours, Mm -hmm. learning things on the fucking computer, whatever bullshit... You know, just for it, because I wanted extra money, but I also wanted the extra knowledge. But I was still that clock puncher. Still that clock puncher. And it's like, you can only get so far as a clock puncher, right?
0: Do you remember, like, what what was your best month during that time? Did you have a month where you're like, holy shit, like,
1: this was a lot of money, like, this month, you know? I think there was a couple months my last, like, year. So, this would be, like, 2014, probably probably 2015, because I'm pretty sure I left early 2017, or 2016 so probably 2015 end of 2015 so this is about two and a half years into my career right I already had my powerlifting club there I had Mm -hmm. started a powerlifting club fucking battle of the bay 2016 I took 30 people to the meet, you know, and all these people like Jaffe and Wong that I don't know that well, but you know, they're old, they're a bit older than me. They're like, who the fuck is this young ass 21 year old kid with 30 people behind him? You know, he's coaching and powerlifting. But again, that wasn't making me a tons of money, but it was just those long hours, man, getting in the gym at 6am, closing the gym at 8.30pm for the clients. I remember there was a couple months that I made like six grand. And I was like, it's fucking nuts, man. Five, six grand for, you know, a 21-year-old kid working for someone else, knowing that I'm making more money than the person I'm working for. And they're, they're saying it as a joke, but with slightly salty undertones, because I'm busting my fucking ass and I'm doing whatever I can, by any and all fucking means, to maximize what I can. Yeah. You know, it was it was just constant, just up, 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 gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And where I started realizing I was at a standstill, because I'm like, okay, then my negotiation tactics come in. Hey, I need to get paid more per class. Hey, I need to get da 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 da, and I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, and there's there was really no give, you know. And uh, another funny side story: cause I just I just finally got a C8, you know, yep. um, after having three Porsches over the last three and a half years, and before that having the C7 and. Big car guy as you are, yeah. um, but the car that I had before the C7, my first nice car I got because when I finally got my license when I was like 20, I drove my grandma's car until it literally fell apart, till the wheels and the axle broke off. And this is at that point where I'm making like fifty thousand dollars a year. I'm like 21 or something like that. I'm like, I'm gonna buy myself a car. You know, like I'm I'm still we're I'm still at this point. At this point, I'm now living with a roommate because we we separate, we split. My mom moves into a different place. We bought a house for a short period, helping my mom pay the house, lost the house. Again, my mom, I love you. If you're listening, I know you listen to these podcasts sometimes. Never made good financial decisions (laughs) ever, 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 ever. And I wasn't in a place financially strong enough when we had that house temporarily because it was right around when I got sober, but literally had to lose it in like eight or nine months. But... When we lost it, we couldn't find somewhere that would facilitate all of us, so I move in with a roommate. And driving my grandma's car, car breaks down, and I'm like, I'm gonna treat myself, you know, my rent's really low, I'm saving money, I'm stacking money, that, you know, that fear fund, right? Like we always have from early on, you put that money aside. you don't fucking spend it. You don't live lavishly or foolishly. And I go and I buy myself a fucking brand new Camaro RS, Right? a whopping 28 grand, you know, brand new off the lot, add, add the leather package, add a couple <laughs> yeah. things, big V6, 200 horsepower, whatever the fuck it is. But you know, my first nice car. And, uh, I'll never remember because it, 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 it lit a fuel under me where it, it pissed me off, but it also like fired me up where, you know, my old boss, he was like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, why'd you buy that? And I was like, oh, I, I can afford it. No, you you shouldn't do that. You don't know. What if you get less classes. What do you do? And I was like, all right. All right. And that like lit an even bigger fuel kind of to me where it's like I knew I wanted to keep growing and keep exceeding where I was. I was already in a great position way farther than I had anticipated. But with each like extra notch that I've kind of achieved, it's just like it came full circle. Again, when I was at that the dealership where I just got my C8, was the same dealership where i got that camaro 10 years ago mm-hmm. you know and it was like such a nice full circle moment now i bought that ca cash you know what i mean from going financing a twenty eight thousand dollar car 10 years ago to now buying a hundred thousand dollar car cash
0: so yeah that's a, a big difference from uh selling some eighths
1: yeah <laughs> you
0: know, coconut grove yeah dude so you went from, uh, all right, you were at Seoul, and then when transitioned from there? Or what, what, what had you moving from there, I guess? Was it, was it kind of the, the wall that you hit?
1: So it was, it was, really, it was really frustrating because I was in a place in my life, and this is something that it, it radiated in me and kind of fueled me for a really long time, where when I was in that position, I'm making, you know, 50 grand a year. I'm like, how, what's the expiration date on this, you know? How long will this last? And again, that's like the fear in the back of my head always. I'm like, you know, how long is CrossFit going to be relevant like this? How long is this gym going to still be here? You know, like what's next? What if the gym closes down tomorrow? At the end of the day, I'm not really fucking qualified. I don't have any, you know, any, any shit like that. Um, There's always a fear. And I'm like, you know, what would I do next? Would I get into fucking real estate? You know, would I do this, that, and the other? Something completely unrelated to fitness. I knew whatever I'd do, I would be okay. But it was always a fear in the back of my head. Then seeing that kind of point where I was maximized financially, not making more. They were unwilling to meet me with any more financial, even though I was bringing a lot to the gym. Fucking you throw Steffi and Hayden into the mix, right? Steffi and Hayden, if you guys don't know, these are people in the fitness industry, owned Hybrid Performance Method. They trained at Seoul, right? I knew Steffi before she started dating Hayden. She was an intern doing her undergrad there at Seoul. They start dating. They start hybrid there, essentially in the gym. They do their first photo shoots, essentially there in the gym, um, to the point where it became like a like kind of a conflict and they got kicked out of the gym. So then I start, they, I stay close to them. I stay talking with them. And in that period of like end of 2016, early 2017, I have a couple dinners with them and they like start having me ghostwrite some programs for them, you know? Cause they knew like I had established powerlifting club. I was good at what I was doing, you know? But it had to be clear that it was ghostwritten because there was kind of a conflict and kind of some animosity there between, you know, the gym and them starting a business in a gym, you know? And when that gym offered, programming Mm -hmm. online so it was was a conflict so fast forward you know about eight nine months a year later summer of 2017 is when they approached me and they're like we're going to open a gym they're like how much are you making there right now and i'm like you know oh you know i'm making you know xyz and again at that point it was still about 50k a year had it really grown um, I was still comfortable. I was happy. Um, I was still living below my means, putting money to the side. And so they're like, you know, what, what if we offered you blank, you know, as a salary, salary, you know, I'm like, whoa, salary. You know, something I'd never heard before. I was used to having to punch that clock, teach the classes, work with people. And they're like, we'll give you that. And you can do personal training here. And you keep 100% of it as opposed to before the gym was getting 40% of it. Um, bring your, your clients over, train them here. Keep all of it. We'll pay you the salary. And we only need you at the gym 20 hours a week. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, yeah, no brainer. But then obviously I started thinking about, you know, what about this current situation I'm in? I need to have some loyalty. You know, I've built something here. I do feel like what I've built here is kind of at the end. And, you know, so I approach my old boss about it and, um, I had I, before that I had asked Tate, and I was like, can I? I was like, what if can I work the twenty hours in the mornings at your gym in Wynwood, hybrid gym, and then I still go to Seoul, Coach my powerlifting club and do shit in the evening? He's like, yeah, I'm fine with it. If Danny's fine with it, I'm fine with it. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. So I go, I sit him down, and that was a big no and that was uh essentially in a nutshell the closing of that chapter yeah you know and like we've talked about it and you know i've i try to talk about it in the most tactful way possible but it's like that's also life and business and friendship and it's really hard when they all intermingle and all go together but sometimes that's just how life is you're in this door you're in this place with this person for a certain amount of time and then eventually it fucking shuts and it might shut abruptly and not in the best way. But it is what it is. Yeah. You know. And so that that's pretty much what happened with that. And uh, and I transitioned over to hybrid.
0: And then, all right. So so the hybrid years, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, you know, before we got everything going yeah. and stuff. So, so you've got your 20 hours there, which ended up being a lot more than that. Yeah. You know, down the road. Um, and that transition period kind of... you know from what I know from just knowing the business right kind of gave you uh, not like an unlimited budget but like kind of I feel like let the creativity really blossom out where it's like all right let's like build something up you don't got to worry about the expenses just make it oh yeah
1: 100% and I I literally use those exact words you learn on someone else's dime you learn on someone else's expense you know but I was always because the way that I am I'm very strategic and I always do things in best interest. I'm not like, oh, let's spend you know hundred thousand dollars here, just throw it up in the air and see what we can catch. You know, I always utilized finances and money and made decisions as if they were my own. And you know, so over those periods, you know, I went from being everything completely changed after that. I went from like I said, being a clock puncher um, to r- helping run a multi million dollar company to starting a million dollar clothing company. Um, And to operating, helping operate the company to the extent that people thought it was also my company, Mm -hmm. you know, like the way that I represented the company, the things that I did, the way that I carried myself in the company, people thought that I was also one of the owners because I took that much pride in it. And it was, it was, it was awesome to be able to have, like you said, kind of those almost unlimited resources and just so many new connections and so many different things to see that it's like... I was able to take it and run with it like this, but could 99% of other people be able to do that? Yeah. No. You know, and that's something I, I've said on so many podcasts of like the people were like, oh, I want to start a gym. I want to work for myself. I want to, you know, be successful. Bro, 95 to 98% of people can and they won't. And they're, they're clock punchers and they'll always be clock punchers. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. You know what I mean? But I think it's like, there's either characteristics that you have or you don't. And, um, so that's, that's why they saw me and they knew that I had those characteristics and I was someone that should work for them and starting with just someone who was a little gym manager. But over this course of those years, snowballed myself in that position yeah I mean talk about some of those
0: some of the things in that era though that you created helped create put on things like that like what were like some of the highlights I guess from that area where you're like yeah like I, I made this a big thing
1: literally I th- it was within five or six months in the company because like I said it was summer of 2017 um, and I knew right away when I made that change over. I'm like this is a sea of opportunity to go from being someone who before that you know, I was a USPA judge. I was going to all these USPA meets, taking my team, you know, and my teams. I was limited in the fact where it's like, I, I in 2016, again, before I started working for Hybrid, I ran a super total meet, unsanctioned super total meet, mm-hmm. right? Because the gym that I worked at, we had ran a bunch of Olympic weightlifting meets for years and years and years. I was in the powerlifting scene, wanted to run a powerlifting meet, do it unsanctioned. That was my first exposure to running meets. Super total meet. So... Olympic weightlifting, snatch, clean and jerk, ben, uh, powerlifting, squat, bench, deadlift. So you got to do all five on the same day. Not many people, not many people run those meets, yep. but around that time, it was cool, kind of niche to people, do. People were talking about Trevor it. And Nobody did, did it. it. Yeah, yeah Hayden, 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 and Trevor Jaffe were head to head, and uh, Hayden narrowly beat Jaffe because Jaffe tore his hamstring on his last deadlift. Yep. Because it was a hot, sweaty, shitty warehouse, but just fun, fucking time. But so that was my exposure. I'm like, okay, now I'm in this new company. I could do this. I could do that. Summer 2017. Right away, they, again, they give me all that freedom. They're like, do what you want, this, that. And they're like, I was like, we need to run a meet. So that's when the first hybrid showdown was born, right? I call Richard Fica, Florida USPA. Um, I'm like, we want to run uh, a pro uh, an amateur pro meet. We want to have these people who they were their connections, who they already knew from their times of you know Steffi being already climbing into the sport at this at this uh, period. We want to put some money up. We want to have these people come out for a big fucking meet because at the time the big meets were like bossa bosses. Steffi had just traveled and just done bossa bosses. She's like, let's do something fucking cool like this. So that was the my first brainchild, which essentially became something which is one of my very successful businesses to this day, running competitions. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that the barrier to entry is minimal. Almost anyone can do it nowadays. They can run a meet, but at that time it was harder. And that also a whole other side story because we sanctioned USPA the first year. I didn't have full control of it. After that became WRPF and from there I finally had full control. But that was one of the first areas of freedom and also Ut- utilization of resources and money that I was able to use. Oh, they have money they want to put up for prize money. They, this, that, and the other. We can do all this stuff. We could build a stage. We can rent bleachers. We can lose money on this meat because it's good for the brand. You know, you got on board. You helped sponsor that meat. You know, I don't remember how much we gave away that first year. But again, that was all within because that meat was in. Um, December or something? That was all within those first six, seven months of being there, putting together that first meet, and then getting to meet so many people and make so many connections that became, you know, so valuable for years yeah. to come from that first conception and brainchild. And then with that same thing, it's like, you guys are listening to this either from the gym scene, or from the hardcore scene, probably one or the other. It's like, fucking band merch was always a big thing for us. You know what I mean? Like I had boxes of boxes of band shirts, loved band shirts, sold the gym that I'd worked at, did a bunch of different band rip offs, Mm -hmm. you know, misfits, rancid judge, whatever shirts we had. And I always loved that side of things. And I'm like, man, I want to figure out a way that I can bring this over to this new company that I work for and run with it. So again, within those first six, seven months, You know, they were making shirts that just had their standard logo on it. I'm like, let's get cool with it. We make a couple out there graphic tees. And uh, they start selling selling well. And um, I'm like, hey, we should make a business out of this. And it's funny, because I remember at the time, I have to actually thank you partially for this, because you and I had a conversation where you're like, man, I'm really busy, I'd like for you to do something, help me do American uh, yeah, Barbell yeah, Club. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, You're the like, merchandising. Yes. Yeah. And and I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I love American Barbell Club. But of course, what do I have to do? I have to bring it to my bosses. And they're like, oh, we don't think that's a good use of your time and resources. You work for us. Da, 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 da. And they're like, why don't you do that for us? Start a merch line for hybrid. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. So that ultimately is what, because we had already, we had done like a shirt or two, but we hadn't called it like its own thing. It was on the training website. You know, you could buy it at the gym. You could buy it on our training website. I was manually taking them to the post office and shipping them. We didn't have any fancy shipping account, nothing like that. Like, what if we turn it into an actual thing? And I'm like, say less, done. You give me the reins. I'm going to run with it and that's where a lot of my time and energy started and my creativity started going you know cuz running the gym it's like you know it doesn't take a whole lot you know and helping run the online company helping write programs i'd been doing that for years that was kind of you know just second nature so getting to have now this complete essentially it's like a whole another different it's a whole different career you know completely different but ties into this Field and getting to take it and run with it. And so we established it as its own thing. We started doing merch drops, start doing merch drops, start doing merch drops. And we closed out like uh, 2018, you know, in, in like, you know, five, $600,000 in sales, something huge, huge. And at the time, you know, we're like, we're sending it to print shops, having the stuffs printed, you know, coming up with the drops. And then that's where my, my business mind and my always more, more, more mind came in. I'm like, well, why are we giving someone else that business when we can do this ourselves, you know? So I'm like, I know someone who's done screen printing. We can buy all this machinery, spend 15, 20 grand, which will pay itself off in one fucking month, yeah. you know? And that's, again, where they gave me the checkbook. They're like, all right, we trust you. Let's do it. And we did get a warehouse and increase production, increase amounts of drops to the point where then that second year, 2019, you know, it did over a million dollars in sales in a, in a freaking fitness, you know, graphic tea (laughs) company that is some kid from the hardcore scene who liked band merch just kind of started coming up with different ideas and it gets to then that's kind of where the, the ultimate, you know, boil over happens you know end of 2019 I'm seeing all this money coming in I'm seeing all these finances I'm taking so much pride in what I'm doing and I'm like fuck I'm not a clock puncher anymore but I'm doing all this for someone else you know and I was like why don't I just do this all for myself you know which is the scariest leap. Yeah, of course. The scariest leap. You and I had so many long phone calls about it. And I owe a lot of it to you because you you pushed me, but you also like helped talk the reason in the sense. You didn't just say, "Dude, don't be a pussy, go do it." <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, "Here's how and why it can work out for you. Here's how and why it might not." You know? And of course, I was doing that myself, too, you know? Um, and to this day, every decision I make, you have to do that. But mm-hmm. when you have someone else that you you know you respect and has done a lot of them that that themselves, it helps a lot also. And those are like two of my biggest business advice things pointers that I give to people: is every decision you make, it needs to be extremely extremely calculated, extremely thought through. Like every best case, every worst case scenario, like calculated as fuck. And then everything that you do with your businesses, but also in your life, needs to be, and this I didn't learn till more recently, because money got the best of me a little bit a couple years ago, you know, living lavishly, but not over lavishly. Um, but everything I do is well under my means. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's where a lot of people backfire, whether they're in a good job position or have their own businesses, is if you try to live in or above your means, that's where you get fucked. Yeah. You know? So it's like everything that I have that I own, that my businesses own, it's like I'm here, I'm spending here. Yeah. You know? I'm not pushing levels of debt. I'm not doing any of that, you know? And... And yeah,
0: I remember. I remember those times specifically because I remember calling you, because you were uh, you were you were living Miami man life for a little bit. Rolex buying, <laughs> Porsche buying, <laughs> yeah. Gucci store, all of this. Because hey, I mean, you I was one the Gucci same, store so asshole. I, yeah.
1: You took me there the first time, yeah. bro. So yeah, the first one. <laughs> nice
0: nice birthday gift, you know. But but I remember we had called, you know, and it was one of those things where it's just like and it is Miami, you know, that's partly why I'm like, man, like, you know, when Marcus and Jordan and you are living there, I'm like, some of my most respected friends live there. I was like, man, I I could go there and like, you know, have friends that are like doing stuff and this and that. I was like, the other end of it is I know how I am. And, you know, it's like a playing a game of catch-up almost in Miami and it never ends and it's never enough, Mm -hmm. you know, but on the other end of it, um, coming where we come from. And I, I say this to fucking a million people. It's like, If you never had Jordans when you were little and you want Jordans, you're going to buy fucking Jordans when you can. Oh, yeah. And if you never... So you had to live it, and I did the same exact fucking thing. I needed to live it for a certain amount of time where it's like, okay, I did this. Know for myself, like, know what I like and don't like out of living a certain way, right? I know now, like... I can, you know, I went to fucking Ukraine for six months and I slept on a floor. Like, I know that I don't need some insane house, but I like having a nice house. Yep. One thing I won't bend on is like, I just like flying first class because I don't want to be treated like a fucking dickhead. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've stuck with. And I, I think you're the opposite. You'll, I don't think you fly that way a lot just nope. because, yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about that, but there's certain things with making money where it's just like, all right, these things I want to maintain, these yeah. other things just kind of don't matter. Yep. You know, so... Uh, but it's something you have to, I don't maybe not have to do, but I talked about it on one of my other podcasts where it's like a lot of people talk about, like, I would never buy a Porsche. I would never pay cash for a CA. I would never do this. I would never do that. And I'll say it again where it's like, well, you don't have the capability to buy a Corvette cash. So who are you to say right. what someone does or doesn't do, you know? And uh, I, I still maintain that feeling to where, like, you're able to do a lot I, and I feel like I'm able to do a lot and it's just now you limit it and you're like, okay, pretty exactly what you said. I know what I'm bringing in, I know what I'm spending, and I can do something with the rest of this, you know. Exactly. And there's going to be a certain point in time probably, you know, with Ghost or the brand or wherever, where it's just like, okay, this is making enough, I can hire another Alex. I'm just going to go make another company and just right. now I've just tripled my income, you know, from buying my own time back. So, yeah, we've we've both lived it. Yeah. Yep.
1: And again, it's it's just finding that proper balance and because at the end of the day it's like we're all sad souls in a way that we want fulfillment and we want to feel good in some way, you know? So it's, you you got to give a little bit to yourself, but just find that proper balance. But I can't tell you the amount of people that I see and that I know and people who fuck man, you know, make less than what I was making 10 years ago when I was stoked about making that $50,000 that are, you know, have a five, six, $700 car payment. You know, it's like, that's, it just fucking nuts. So it's it just finding that right balance and that happy median, but also like giving into yourself. But it's been the kind of like a lot of learning over the last couple of years of experiencing that, living that, making the difficult and scary decisions to leave, go off on my own, the potential of failure and who fucking knows what. But like I said, to, to pull back to what I said when I was working at that gym all those years ago, you know, the CrossFit gym, it's like, I'm like, how much future uncertainty is there here? You know, how long can I be here in this gym or even in this industry? How long will CrossFit be around? Start working for hybrid, making, you know, significantly more than I was making, you know, at at the old gym. Climbing up, climbing up, climbing up. Growth was slow, but growth was steady. I see my bank account growing. I see how much my paychecks each month are growing. But I always had that, like, How much? How much? What? What is the expiration date here? How long do I have here? You know, will what's gonna will this company dissolve? Will this this that and the other? Will it get sold? Will it just all fucking hell break loose? And that kind of also is that driving point to just kind of keep pushing and keep growing. And then I can finally say that it's like I'm in a place in my life, and it took again fucking. 12 years in this career if you'll call it that from when I got sober when I was 19 and I'm 31 now took 12 years to finally feel like established and safe you know where it's like I have way less of that just kind of fear of like anything everything being stripped away from me and but look at everything that went into building to get there you know And Because again, we just talked about then all that time in hybrid, leave in 2020, and then it's just been years of now building everything but for myself. And goddamn, the amount of fulfillment that you have when you know it's all fucking yours and no one else needs to see the numbers in those fucking bank accounts, no one else needs to fucking look over any profit and loss statement, no one else has to cut a check except fucking you, goddamn, that feels good.
0: But before you got there, let's see, uh, got married... Yes. Left hybrid. Yes. Started your own companies, multiple companies. Yes. uh, Bought the building that your gym is in. Yes. uh, Painstakingly. Yes. You know, (laughs) so a whole lot of transition because you went from, you know, like anyone else, you go from the guaranteed money to, well, hope this works. (laughs) Yeah. You know, all of that happening at at that same time. So I guess uh, go into kind of, you know, your deal with Ghost, starting that out. Um, I mean, where it started, from, from to buying the building and everything yeah. kind of involved in that because this is kind of like, um, well, I mean, it's always been a growth trajectory, but it took a little sharper, uh, you know, northern route at this point.
1: And it's, so that is exactly to where the piece that I preach, the calculated decisions go. When I was working at that CrossFit gym, all I thought about is, oh, one day I want to own my own gym. You yeah, know, one day I want to own my own gym early on. Then I start working in the back, working in the office, hearing my boss say that I'm making more money than him. And I'm like, God damn, maybe I don't. And that's where I start having those questions of, well, what's actually gonna be next for me? Then go start working for Hybrid. Through all those years there, I always thought about what's next, but never once did I think I wanna open my own gym. And Again, because I'm working in apparel, I'm working in clothing, and I'm seeing how much money that gym is bringing in, and that gym was operating in the red. It, it wasn't, you know, it's it was very niche powerlifting, an expensive area of, in, of Miami, not a densely young populated area of Miami that would go to a powerlifting specific gym. Tons of competitors in that area. I'm analyzing all this stuff, but just also knowing Miami as a whole, I'm opening a gym... Not on my mind at all. What became and what got on my mind in 2019 is I'm ultimately, I can't keep doing this for someone else. I need to do it for myself or with someone else. So, Go Strong Equipment, to make that side story quick, launched in 2018. All started by a DM. I was man. One of the many things I was doing for Hybrid, I was managing Steffi's DMs at the time. You used to get tons of DMs from companies. Let me sell you my fucking you know butt plug trainer and all that stuff, you know. And I see an, e- an email or a DM. Go Strong Equipment. Hey, you know, this is, my name's Tim. We're starting a new company. We, you know, it's gonna be equipment. We'd love to send you a bench. If you guys know me, I'm a fucking bench guy right you know and at the time we just had beat up old tss benches mm-hmm. that for the shitty ones that fucking indented <laughs> after two fucking months and i'm like new fucking bench i'm like fucking say less start talking to the guy and we were in the process of we were about to move from that first hybrid location to a new location and we were going to expand and you know expand from literally a 1600 square foot place to a potentially four or five thousand square foot place we didn't have equipment for that start talking to the guy. I bring it up to Steph. She's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want to, some random person. No, no, no. I'm like, I don't know, man. This seems legit. Against her will, I kept talking to him. Get on, I, I look up the guy because he tells me, like, his pitch of his company. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy just starting equipment? See his a company's, his family company's been around 100 years, steel manufacturing, you know, multi-million dollar company, and he's the fucking president of it. Look him up. He's a power lifter himself. Like, okay, this guy fucking seems legit. Within a week, me and him are just getting tight. Start sending me 3D rent. I'm mean, like, can you make monoliths? Because I knew I was going to start doing WRPF. Send me 3D rendering of a monolith. Start sending me all this shit. Make that long story short, me and him got super fucking tight. And ultimately, again, for someone else, because this wasn't for me. This was, again, for the company that I worked for. But this is just what I did. I built and I created opportunity for that company, whether it was on their own dime, their own expense, or for their own gain. I negotiated ultimately a deal that got us $100,000 worth of equipment, the entire gym outfitted, with the launch of that brand. We had clauses in the contract, because again, there's so much uncertainty. What if this stuff that he's never made, we get it, and it's all hunks of shit? You know what I mean? We'd void the contract. We'd make him come pick it up. We'd send it back, this, that, and the other. But I knew it was going to be fucking legit. So that was April of 2018. We he All the equipment gets delivered. He launches Ghost as a brand. Ghost equipment blows up like a motherfucker, right? Next thing you know, it's at the fucking tribute meet. It's at all these different mm-hmm. meets because he's just doing things right, getting into all these different doors. But it all started with our conversation and him launching with us, the company that I worked for. And at the end of the day, me and him were, you know, we were tight. We stayed tight over the years. When I bought my house, you know, he sent me, made me a combo rack for my garage and shit like that. Anytime, you know, I had any issues, business advice, just like you, I'd give him a call. We were always really cool. At the end of 2019, December 2019, it is either ended. was either December 2019 or the first week of January 2020. I told him, I was like, man, I don't think I can keep doing this all for someone else. I need to do my own things. I'm like the Ghost brand. I fucking love it. I was like, you've blown up the equipment. I was like, you. there's a huge missed opportunity not doing merch. I was like, look at what I've done. I was like, I can do this again for us. And I was like, and we can open a gym. The thing that I said I would never want to do, but this was all extremely strategic because to, to just make a nutshell without telling all of our businesses in and outs, he was a, uh, I was the majority partner. He had, he was a small minority. He was ultimately a silent investor. You know, he manufactured all the equipment that ran as a debt against the 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 company that we both owned together at no interest you know with a a reasonable payoff structure Mm -hmm. so ultimately i opened a gym with zero dollars out of my fucking pocket you know like it was the ultimate connection and opportunity but also showing what i can bring to the table with my expertise for what was his company and now making it mine in another regard with the gym and making it, you know, ours with a regard to using his, you know, intellectual property for merchandise and going beyond what he's currently been doing. And he's a smart business guy. He likes me. He's like, done. Let's do it. And that was all, uh, er, early 20, I'm sorry. I mixed up my dates. That was 2020, end of 2020, early 2021 when I quit. Officially quit, leave hybrid. No one knew what I was doing. I didn't I didn't want to tell people, you know? I, I didn't want people to know I'm opening a gym. And I was just like, I just got to go my own way. And essentially, I picked up exactly what I was doing for someone else, but now for myself. I started that, that Ghost Apparel. We relaunched as a rebirth by full screen printing company. But now at this point, I do a business initiative, which I had wanted to do for them. But we had never implemented, which is me doing brand consulting for other brands, mm-hmm. doing printing for other brands, helping other brands build their own apparel stuff. Essentially kind of what you wanted me to do for you, yeah. but I was limited. I couldn't do that because I worked for someone else. Um, and bro, it's only been three fucking years. It's only been, it's only been, but it's been three years from that early 2021 to when I quit. Start looking for properties. That's a whole fucking 45-minute long story. Go from going <laughs> yeah, to rent remember. a commercial uh, a warehouse. Originally, the gym was going to be a hardcore, just, you know, like ABC style yeah. in the hood. Powerlifting gym that was also going to facilitate the merchandising and the printing and this, that, and the other. Got royally fucked. Lost, you know, 10, 20 grand. Again, calculated. Didn't have to lose my own money. Huge. Unheard of to an extent. Yeah. Unless you have a good strategic partner and you're able to show everything you're able to bring to the table. Right. Um, and, but I mean the, the way the cards lined up August, 2021, I find this fucking insane spot of this other guy who was trying to buy it. And we ended up, we became real estate business partners where we bought the property together and he has a smaller minority share strictly on the property and the holding corp for the property and I own a $2 million commercial property and the gym is just, it's grown from there. It went from, like we were talking about off camera, you know, I had to completely redevelop everything. At first, I think I'm going to have a five or $6,000 a month warehouse that also facilitates merchandising and stuff like that to now having a $17,000 a month mortgage payment plus a $4,000 association because yep. it's a fucking condo. Plus, You know, all that shit. But the gym still being able to pivot and thrive... In its uniqueness, the the ghost blew up. The clothing blew up. My partner decided in May twenty twenty two, so a year and a half ago, he wanted out. So I bought him out, and that's where ultimately it was. You know, he was a silent partner at the end of the day. He was a support and financial backing, and ultimately gave the name. And he just didn't want to be involved anymore, so he blessed me with continuing the legacy. And at the end of the day, it's, it's so much more refreshing because even though I didn't work for someone else, having a partner is okay, but having 100% of something is so much fucking better, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, talk about that. You t- mentioned your payment, so I guess talk about that payment change and maybe uh, maybe hard lesson learned uh with commercial real estate with that one i mean you did what you had to do to get the asset which is always number one but you know you did it with a little bit extra stress maybe
1: yeah so this is one this is one of my wasn't as calculated or wasn't as foreseen but this also wasn't this this same thing fucked over so many people of course and if you are not a business person investor or anything all you know of it is as inflation right so August, 2021, we find the property. We're on a month to month lease with uh, the owner of it. He refused to sign a lease. He just wanted to sell it. He didn't want the asset anymore. Um, the guy who I was buying it with originally, he was supposed to be getting the financing and we had a great loan locked in his partner. Cause it was two of them and me, the way that it was going to be split up. And it was going to be 50-50. The two of them 50, me 50 on the property. And last minute, his partner, because he was having to buy it under his law firm and shit like that, like some like different shit that he didn't feel comfortable with in the financing at the final hour in December. So four months into the gym being open, right? After I first lose the place that I was in, now I find this amazing place, August, 2021. We're going through buying it on a month to month rent affordable month to month that we know, even though it's way above my business plan. Now we're at twelve five a month, you know, with all in what we're paying the, the the landlord at the time. December of 2021, three days before my birthday, my partner, he's like, bro, my boy, he's pulling out. He, he doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. I'm going to now have to remove my gym. Like, like wh- this guy's not going to send a lease. Like, what am I going to do? I'm not qualified. You know, these are new businesses. Yeah. These are new LLCs that are incorporated. I have my own training brand that's been incorporated for years, but incorporated enough to get a $2 million loan. So I started fucking bugging out calling finally the same banker. It was because they were trying to get an SBA 504, mm-hmm. right? And if they would have if we would have fucking closed when we were supposed to fucking close. It would have been fixed at like like, like 4.1, 4.2, something like that, yeah. right? Because my boy, the reason why I couldn't be fully in his name is because he had just bought a $4 million warehouse for his fish business, all right? You been at Flanagan's? Yep. So, funny enough, my partner, his partner is Jimmy Flanagan. Oh, all right. Nuts. They own Flanagan's <laughs> Fish Company together. So, he had just gotten a fat loan, so he couldn't be the main... So, I'm scrambling, talking to bankers. I'm like, whatever fucking takes. Look, I got money in the bank for down payment, like, whatever. So, like, no, this is fine. We have a loan option for you. I'm like, you do? Like, I'm like, these are new business. No, it's a startup. You're okay. You have a home? Yeah. How much is your home worth? Oh, you have a million dollars equity in your home? Oh, yeah, definitely. We can give you a, a, a loan. You're going to have to put your house up as collateral. No fucking problem. Go ahead. Put my $1.5 million home up as collateral. I'm not worried. You know what I mean? That was all calculated because I knew it was going to be okay. I knew the gym had already been open for four months. It was doing well. Memberships were going up. I knew if I had to pull from other companies temporarily, I could. Not a big deal. We fucking... Within... Two months, right? It went from, from August to December, getting the bad news. We're not closing. From then December to February, close on the property, fucking stoked. You know, I signed on the fucking dotted line. They explained shit to me, but it was my first time buying. I didn't know what they were really explaining. You know what I mean? This is the kind of loan we could get you, you know, considering, like, you know, it's just you. All right, cool, 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 cool. Fucking close. My first mortgage payment comes in eleven two. 2 like, oh, this is fantastic. All right, I was paying twelve five dollars before. Oh, okay, my association fees are $2,000, so I'm at 13 dollars Not a big deal. Eleven two mortgage. All right, all right. Fucking March closes out. Like, a month and a half into it. This is all in 2022. If you look at the the rates. Oh, yeah. Okay, they have quarterly. And I, I start calling these people. I'm like, what the fuck? My payment just went up $2,500. Oh, yeah, because the fucking uh, the prime rate just went up. Three quarters of a point. It went up 0.75. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? You have a variable interest rate. I'm like, what? So payment went up from 11 to, I think the first increase was like to 13.8. And I'm like, all right, okay. I have the money, we are keep paying it. Fucking next quarter closes, goes up to like 15.5. Like, what the fuck? Oh yeah, another three quarter increase. So this was all through 2022. Each quarter it went up uh, uh three quarters of a point mm-hmm. and then all last year each quarter kept going each quarter it went up a quarter point, right? So my mortgage payment started at eleven three and now it's seventeen five. So six thousand two hundred dollars <laughs> that are literally being a match lit to it. Yep. That entire first eighteen months the gym was open, I didn't take a single penny. I didn't pay myself a salary. I kept reinvesting into the gym, buying more equipment, spent 20 grand redoing my bathrooms. I found that outlet of like liking nice things, but now doing it for my businesses. You know what I mean? Like fucking whatever I want to do, buy this fancy piece of equipment, buy this, that, and the other. I get that outlet of buying shit out as an expense and doing it for the business. But yeah, it was, it was a huge shocker watching those increases And also a huge learning lesson because I'm very fortunate that the gym was just consistently growing and Mm -hmm. it's in a super high, uh, you know, income area of Miami that I have a ton of high-end clientele that it's not a bunch of shitbag powerlifters paying the rent, you know, that the majority of my members are gen pop people who are paying $120 to $150 a month for a membership. Uh, So I was able to facilitate that. But that was like an ultimate, like, although things were calculated, I never fucking calculated that because I never knew any better. You let's know? say
0: so 6000 dollars one year, you know, six thousand total. That,
1: that's the that's the increase. I looked at my end of the year right. after the first year, yeah. paid like a hundred and ten thousand dollars in interest last so year. So let's say
0: two years, two hundred and twenty thousand, right? In in the extra yeah. on the property. But you know, since you bought it to now, like what do you think the value is now compared to buying it? So I bought
1: definitely. I bought it at one point nine easily it's hard to know that market and it's because how things are rapidly changing right like probably 2.5 2.6 If yeah. I was to so guess. So, it,
0: so you're still not lost money and at
1: the end of the day what would happen if i didn't own it i'd be paying a landlord yeah. money that is just a lighter going to it yeah you know you know what i mean it, it doesn't at the end of the day it doesn't fucking matter because at the end of the day well let's say you're you're in a three-year lease and that three-year lease is up and the landlord now, which is happening to so many fucking people in Miami. I know multiple gyms getting closed down yep. um, because lease is up. Oh, yeah, yeah. The new market rate now. Oh, you're not paying fucking $12 a square foot for a warehouse anymore. You're paying fucking 30, yep. you know? And their rent goes up 150%. And like it's, that, and it's every know? year.
0: You know, there's the good and the bad of it because you hear people being like fucking landlords or pieces of shit, basically. That's like... Pretty much like everyone our age or younger. Right. You know, fuck landlords. I'm on the other end. I'm a landlord. You know what I mean? And it's just like, uh, I I understand, but it's good for me and my family. Yeah. You know, because I I made the choice and then you made the choice to to buy your house, which you have a ton of equity in, to buy the building that you're in, ton of equity in. And this is from doing xanax fucking drug dealer kid from not that long ago less than 15 years ago yeah you know it's like a 180 in life but but with that too you know i talked about that with abc because when i closed the building for abc everyone was just like oh i'm sorry it closed you know they're like very apologetic and to me i'm just like i don't really care you know i was like you know as a business like powerlifting culture when i got into it probably close to when yeah when you got into it same time it was like i i loved it it was like subculture to me right you know, and then it turned into mainstream culture and then it turned into like very picky and turned into something I didn't like. Yeah. You know, so when people apologizing, I'm like, I'm not mad. Like I sold the building in two years, two and a half years for double what I paid for it, Yeah. you know, but at that same time, I never, it wasn't a dollar out of my pocket to pay this mortgage for the payment. I did a 504 loan too. And those of you who don't know, 504 loan, you know, it's 10% down if you're mm-hmm. moving into mm-hmm. the building that you're operating out of, Where it's like that's so fucking cheap for a commercial mm-hmm. loan guaranteed. I think it's twenty five years 25, they do the SBA yep. loan on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how can you beat that? How when you're starting a business, why would you not do that? Mm-hmm. You know? And so doing that and uh, making the money from the building, so you have a business that pays for the asset. The assets appreciating as this entity that you created is paying that bill.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not like
0: you're out there at a job, you know, having to be like, Oh, I gotta, gotta pay my rent every month exactly. going to nothing. You know, and so you created you created this business that now pays the asset of your of your commercial building, pays the asset of the home you live in, and then also lets you live your life.
1: And, you know, it's hilarious. Exactly what you just said is this complete opposite of my mentality on it, because you again, your hands are in different business ventures, real estate, this, that and the other. But pretty much everything I do is riding on powerlifting to a large extent. So for me, that flip that we've both seen has also what's helped flip my mentality of how much future is there in this, you know, to now... Oh fuck yeah! This is making it a more and more successful career because my meets are bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. I can run more and more fucking meets per year. You know, uh, my gym's gonna grow more and more powerlifters besides just Gen Pop people. More and more, pe- more and more people are gonna buy my merchandise. So for me, it was something that I was like, I was all for the change. Although it's like complete opposite of the hardcore mentality and like wh- how we feel about hardcore. Where I was like, you know what? For me, from a business perspective, because it can be so fruitful in so many ways, fuck yeah, no gatekeeping, make hardcore fucking for all or uh, powerlifting for all these fucking people, yeah. you know, because it's what has been able to grow it to the position where I'm able to do all those fucking things. Because if it was still super underground hardcore subculture, I wouldn't be able to do things on this scale and make the amount of money that I make on this scale that I do in something that's so. Subculture. Well, I mean, that's
0: what's happening to hardcore right now you know before it was just like you're doing good if you were making $1000 a night right you know now there's like you know cuz we uh, my company like me and me and the king of florida josh uh, we book shows in tampa you know we only do door deals but we've had bands come through that i hadn't heard of that it's $10,000 oh, shit you know and i'm just like man these are like 22 23 year old kids making 7 to 10 grand a night doing half that in merch a night you know, to where like hardcore is a business now, right. hardcore or powerlifting is a business now, and they're real money-making businesses, you know, the guys that are running the fest throughout the country, those are six-figure incomes just off of one fest, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I understand it, you know, and I, I get it, and I'm, I'm proud of you for turning it into that, and uh, if just like I said, for me, I just... Uh, it was it, it was it was like a mental it was like a mental escape like getting out of the military mental escape going to the gym and that that was something I enjoyed and when it turned into something I didn't enjoy you know it was hard it was hard to turn it off you know so it's just like oh like I, I can be done with that move on to the next thing but yeah. kind of like how you took your steps moving on to the next things right where it's like all right well that wasn't enjoyable, but where can I make money? What can I do? And then for me, like, like I've talked about a million times already, like I, I found real estate, it's just something that like makes sense in my mind, you know? Yeah. And I think to, to the normal person, it doesn't until you buy that house. And it, maybe it didn't to you till you bought your house for what you bought it for. And then you're just like, yeah, and I don't have to do anything. And now it's worth a whole lot more than what I bought it for. Exactly. But I tell people, I was like, you do it one time, you see that. But imagine now if you had five, 10, 20, like do that equity times 10 and 20 and then see what that looks like. And they're like, yeah, that's a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, I fucking no, you know, and uh, that was pretty much what the whole last podcast was about. You know, if, if those people are comfortable doing what I talked about doing, it's, there's no reason like anyone can't do that. It's just pretty much what you said. People aren't wired that way. You know, they aren't wired to like go from that guaranteed salary to jumping into a business they're creating out of literally a spark of an idea and then turning into like a life-changing thing because they do want the clock punching. I talked about on your podcast when I went on yours where, you know, you have friends, I have friends where they've got their nine to five, right? And they're okay with it. And they're okay with just going to the bar after and that's their thing and that's their life. And that is sanity to them. That is, they need that structure. They need to be told, or they want to be told what to do every day, you know, and I said it before, I was like, there's part of me where it's like, I I understand that. I get it because the day-to-day stress, it's being an entrepreneur, self-employed, it never goes away. Morning to night doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. You know, my my ex-wife's dad, he, he worked at the hospital, just installing TVs. That's what he did. Made 75 grand a year, whatever he made. And I told him this same thing. And he's like, i don't want that he's like when i'm off work i just want to be off work and right. i want to go to the beach and smoke weed
1: right right, you know
0: i was like, uh, like off, i like i get that you know and at that at that time i'm like absolutely fucking not and like the older i'm getting now i was like i, I understand his perspective a little bit more but still that that childhood fucking poverty and what you said before where it's like man if, at any moment that could just be back if you just i feel like three or four wrong moves yeah that that can come right back you know and uh So now it's always, but that also leads to just working all the time because of kind of that fear, you know, it's, I'm like trying for myself at least to create something where I know it's like, all right, this is going to be there, you know, and then how can I buy my time back and do something else? Or I've got to make enough money to where it doesn't fucking matter. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's the difference because you, if you're making, you know, whatever, hundred grand a year, you can only save a hundred grand a year in expenses. Right. You know, so just make more money. That's an, I a mean, cocksucker thing to say. Number three on every podcast, you know, just make more money. It's not not an easy thing, but, um, you know, like it, it's just everyone makes it seem easy. It's not really. But that's why I have people like you on and uh, I'll continue to have more people on where it's like there's so many different ways to do it. And it's not fucking impossible because it's not like. It's not like mommy and daddy fucking helped you out. Right. And it's like, hey, man, here's fucking 100000 Go start your business. Let right. us know how it goes. If you fucking got to sell your house and move in with us, that's okay, Alex. Yeah. Or it's just like, uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up living on the fucking streets if I don't make this work, you know. And now it's it's fast forward. Uh, oh, separate topic, but, uh, you know, when I, when I hear people talk about uh, saving money and they're like, they're glad they don't have kids, right? They're like, oh, like kids are so expensive. I, I like to keep my money. I was like, man, how many fucking broke people are there to where you can't afford to have a kid? Right. You know, it's just like, if you're broke, just say it. Don't be like, oh, I want to keep my money if I don't want to have kids. I'm like, man, you guys fucking suck. Yeah. That's like a very influencer thing to say of just like, oh, I want my freedom. I want this and this and that. I'm like, the way I think about it now and, you know, you being a dad too, where it's like, when I'm 70 years old, I'm not going to, probably I'm not going to remember a lot of the shit I did. To be honest, because right. I remember a lot of shit I did now. Same. You know, <laughs> but when I've got my kids there and their grandkids and you've got family around the until the day you man. fucking die yeah. and w- like, what better in life is there? Yep. Uh, and so it's, it's be like, yeah, I went to fucking, I don't, I don't know. I went to New York City fucking 30 times over my life. Or, or tell me about time 22 with your fucking
1: And, ex, I, and I'll you tell know? you what, that was one of the ultimate, literally always my kind of my life goals is again growing up fucking complete pro- poverty my mom struggling to work her ex-husband struggling to work literally like they were living off the food stamps no actual career when all those hurricanes hit they started we were they started a tree cutting business yeah. and i when i was fucking 10 years old I was helping them haul logs and shit like that you know and i always knew i needed to have a fa- i wanted a family i wanted kids I wanted to give them a better life I wanted to be able to provide and even again in all those other positions that I was at, you know, my wife was working, my wife has a degree, she works at FIU, she works at a university, you know, she made 65, 70K a year, you know, with her degree after being there for eight years or whatever, benefits, fantastic fucking insurance. Um, my goal is always like, no, I don't want her to have to do that, you know? And after she had our kid, after she had Dom in uh, May of uh, twenty, April, 2021, she had, you know, all of her maternity time built up, she used it all, and then 2022, she's out of time, like, you're not going back to work, you know, and she, she fucking doesn't work, and it's like, that, like, to me, and then that might not be everyone's fucking perspective, but it's like, that's an ultimate goal, when you're able to do that, and fully provide for your family, because like you said, if you have the mentality of, like, what's next, what's the future, like, this influencer bullshit, you looking hot as fucking sexy on Instagram and making money on it is only going to last so fucking long. What happens when you don't look like that, when you're not strong and you can't perform like that anymore and, you know, and no one wants to fucking have a kid with you or you're too old and yeah. infertile to have a fucking kid and then now you're fucking 45, 50 years old punching a clock and your yeah. life fucking blows, you know? So literally, it's like I've been able to live out my fucking dream and, you know, to my wife, just being able to focus on our kid and fucking provide for them. And it's, it's crazy how things can come full circle, man. But not everyone can fucking do it. I not know. everyone can
0: fucking do it. So what's, what's, what's future for you? What would you say, like, the next five years or so? Is it another gym, brand expansion? You got anything lined up? Uh,
1: Honestly, I feel like out of the last year, especially with having you know my son and trying to have another kid is for the first time in these many many years of my career that i've been finally on cruise control yeah you know that i'm not hitting the gas anymore like needing to add something to my plate and this that the other i'm on cruise control if anything fucking backing off and slowing down a little bit because things have built into such a an amazing position you know so, quick, so quickly and so rapidly. And just the amount of fulfillment that I have from being a dad and all that, you know, it's it's taken away some of that fulfillment that I need in other areas. So honestly, it's it's cruise control. Keep watching my babies organically fucking grow, my businesses and my fucking baby. Um, having a second gym a year ago, the first, you know, 12, 15 months of the gym when I saw how well it was doing, even with the rising interest rate. I was like, I'm going to open a second location in the next one or two years. I don't know if that's in the cards anymore, yeah. you know, because just from multiple perspectives, could I do it? And again, another high uh, income area of Miami pulling in a lot of general population people make it profitable. Like the first, the current location is, which again, having a very profitable gym is difficult, you know, but I pulled it off. Could I do it again? I think I can. But where I, don't, where I don't like it is where I feel like it will take away some of the specialness of what my gym currently is, mm-hmm. you know? The areas that I have in mind where I I'd, I'd, I'd move it to, that would just mean that large people – because pe- I have kids who drive 45 minutes an hour to train at my gym because yeah. there's nothing like it, you know? They'll then just go there instead and it will split the cultures and it will split some of that kind of specialness away. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if that's in the cards, but right now it's fucking, it's fucking cruise control and sustaining things. Cause they've, they've grown fucking beautifully and I just wanted to stay there.
0: All right. Well, you want to give, uh, give any of last words, I guess, advice, anything like that of, of value that, I mean, it's in a it's a culmination of almost 15 years and, you know, the, probably the majority of at that, this point, uh, Trying to make it, and then the last few years, you know, not, don't want to say made it, but you know, there.
1: Yeah. You know, I've had since leaving hybrid and stuff. I had multiple like entrepreneurs or want entrepreneurs reach out to me and ask me like, oh, you know, I, I want to, I, I want to take the step. Like I said, everything you do has to be very fucking calculated. You have to make sure what what's the worst case scenario what's the possible case scenario, what's the best case scenario, and rely on the worst. Yep. You know? And are you okay with the worst case scenario, the absolute worst case scenario happening? Then then proceed and hope for the best, you know, and see what happens. But like everything from when I quit, you know, the cushy six figure gig that I was making, you know, to start these multiple companies, I still had sources of income from online training and clients yep. who I was working with. And my wife still had a job and a career. So it was not like there's so many people who have asked me for this advice, but they're like, I'm gonna have to quit my job and go all in, but it's okay. I have 20 grand saved. Don't fucking do it. (laughs) Do not fucking do it, you know? Try to establish things with wherever you are in your career or whatever you're doing, whatever you're wanting to do, whether it's in the fucking fitness field or something related. Keep doing what you're doing. See if there's a market. Um, And just don't fucking rely on being a goddamn fucking influencer. Don't rely on your brand identity being you. Literally what you and I were talking about off the fucking camera. If you have to rely on your brand identity being you... You're gonna get fucked eventually. Yep. You know what I mean? Like having Ghost, my ex partner was able to create a legacy and I'm able to keep that legacy going with all the different things that I've done. My meets, my pro meets that I've been running for fucking seven years, it's a legacy, something that could keep running. But I don't have to keep fucking looking good and shit like that. I can get fat, I can get weak, <laughs> and keep doing things well. You know, it doesn't rely on this. So,
0: there's very few people, influencer, whatever, that can maintain it for long period of time there's so many flash in the pan Mm -hmm. you know but uh, you know I I was telling my girlfriend uh not that long we were we were talking about different ways like people are making money these days where it's like but on the other hand if you sacrifice for three or four years you just go all in on basically being fucking retarded on yourself you could probably make four or five million dollars and then you can kind of just fuck off and do whatever after that you know that's the way the world is set up these days you know but the amount of people that are willing to do that probably very slim and then the ones that because everything is so cyclical every you age out you, you know men especially women don't want to admit it but like you're going to age out if people like giving a shit about you for just being hot and yep. making money you know that's that's not the answer and then it's the women you know we talk about them i don't know how, what it is now like in powerlifting where it's like you know you want to take these steroids to do this and that it's like you're changing yourself forever and you might make a couple hundred thousand in five years in powerlifting maybe yeah you know and then you get nothing out of it so i think i think that's pretty solid advice for everyone
1: yeah man you know, to
0: not depend on it so all right this is my man alex ghost gym miami thank you everybody thanks for listening dudes